Let's kick off then uh, our worship time with prayer, and uh, then we'll sing some more, okay? Let's pray. God, what a privilege it is to be gathered into this place this morning. What a privilege to enjoy coffee and donuts and kolaches and to get caught up with one another, to have folks that are feeling pressed and stirred by your calling to serve and serve some more as we served uh, the Tritico family and as we uh, gather things for the Larson family, as we think about these graduating seniors, as we think about the kids within our community, as we think about the folks that um, need community to help them get to the places they need to go. These are just ways that you're showing us that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, that, that your calling never stops on our lives, that it is ever new and expanding, and you're, you're opening our hearts and minds in new ways to serve each other, and we're grateful for that. Give us ears to always hear that, hearts that say yes to whatever you bring on our radar. And I thank you for this church, for this congregation, for Grace Church that has stepped up time and time again. Give us the strength to continue to do that work. Lord, we know we're not, we're not fooling ourselves. We know that um, there have been places and ways in which you have asked us to step up and we have not. Uh, maybe we've turned a blind eye to someone you have asked us to help or we've been selfish in thought of ourselves in a moment that we needed to think of someone else. We have left things undone. Uh, we have done other things that are directly harming ourselves or other people or creation. We failed you. We have failed you this week. And we want to say we're sorry for that. We know as we read through the scriptures, as we read this story of, of you and us, that we find that you are a God who is patient and kind and merciful and ready to forgive over and over and over again. And so we lean on that this morning. We lean on your mercy as we say we're sorry. Strengthen us anew this week as we come to worship, as we come to seek your presence, as we long to hear from you today. We also long to be unburdened and strengthened for the week ahead, that, that we might leave this place changed and ready for whatever it is that you have for us this coming week. We also have burdens on our hearts, no doubt, this morning as we read the news and we hear about this shooting that happened in Allen, Texas, shootings that happen in various places around us as we hear about tornadoes and storms and floods, families that are hurting this morning. We lift them to you. We have people, loved ones, right next to us that are burdens upon our hearts this morning, situations that we are concerned about, that we don't know how they're going to turn out. We want to call these out to you, Lord, right now, right here. And we're going to trust that not only do you hear them, but you are on the job. That we don't have to worry about it anymore this morning. 
And so, Lord, hear our prayer as we call these out. Regina Finch. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Alexis and Jessica. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Lord, we give you these and other unspoken requests this morning. Take them from us. Give us the yoke of Jesus, which is easy and light. Help us to trust in you this morning. May you be glorified in all that we say and do. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning uh, comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. Now, I've been told several times that uh, y'all did a, maybe a series or a, what? What was it? Was it a preaching series? No. Was it a Bible study? A Bible, Wednesday night Bible study on the book of Romans. So you all should know this inside and out, right? Yeah, so whenever I, I mentioned, well, we're in the book of Romans, some people went, oh. That's all right. We'll see if the Spirit can breathe new life into it. We are in chapter 1. And we are looking at verses 1 through 17 this morning, the very beginning of Paul's letter to the Romans. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, sent apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of His name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. 
For God, whom I serve with my smear, by my spirit, by announcing the gospel of His Son, is my witness, that without ceasing I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you, so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as I have among the rest of the Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, hence my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Lord, as I preach a word this morning, may your word be spoken through me or perhaps in spite of me. Amen and amen. The year was 1978. Who remembers 1978? 1978. Bob Dylan, yes, the Bob Dylan. He was at a low point in his career in 1978. He had directed this independent film, which was getting terrible reviews. His latest album, which was called Street Legal, was just not selling the way his previous albums had sold. In fact, he hadn't had a number one hit in quite some time. He was out on the road on tour And the critics were saying, this tour is just lacking something. It's just not the Bob Dylan that we know. On top of all that, he had just gone through a divorce. Bob was at a low point. He said he was at a show in San Diego, up on stage performing, and somebody in the the front section of the crowd must have um, sensed that maybe Bob needed something, and they threw a silver cross up on the stage. Now, Bob said he didn't normally pick stuff up off the stage, but for whatever reason, glanced down at that cross, picked it up, put it in his pocket, forgot about it, finished the show, went on to the next town. He was in his hotel room in Tucson, Arizona, knew that he had to perform that night, and just felt like, I don't know that I can do another show. And he said to himself, I need something more in my life. This life is just not cutting it. I don't know what I need, but I need something. I can't do another show. And he reached into his pocket and felt that cross that he had put there and forgot about and pulled it out. Now this is a quote from Bob Dylan. In that moment, he said, Jesus did appear to me As king of kings and lord of lords, there was a presence in the room that could not have been anybody but Jesus. Jesus put his hand on me. It was a physical thing. I felt it. I felt it all over me. I felt my whole body tremble. The glory of the Lord knocked me down and picked me up. 
Isn't that amazing? Bob Dylan had a dramatic conversion that night in his hotel room. An experience that left a lot of his fans baffled because all of a sudden Bob began attending Bible studies and going to church and began singing about the Lord and began testifying to his conversion experience at his shows. In fact, we watched the first half of Jesus' Revolution uh, on Wednesday night, which tells the story of this, this Jesus movement that happened in the 70s, particularly with musicians and hippies. Bob was kind of caught up in all of that and attended some Bible studies that Lonnie Frisbee was a part of, some house studies. I've seen some pictures of him. He was going to Bible studies. Well, his next album came out. It was called Slow Train Coming. Anybody heard that album? It was 100% Christian. It was all about his experience with Jesus. And the first song on that album was called Gotta Serve Somebody. Guess what? That was his first number one hit in three years, and he got a Grammy for it. Now, the song is simple enough. It's a simple blues rock kind of chord progression. The lyrics aren't all that spectacular. But essentially, what he's saying in the song is, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or somewhere in between. It doesn't matter if you are famous or if nobody knows who you are. It doesn't matter if you are an addict or if you're somebody who walks the straight and narrow, blue collar, white collar, black, white. It doesn't matter if you exist on the planet. You have to serve somebody. You have to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. It might be something else. But everybody has to serve somebody. You know, I think St. Paul would have liked to hear this story about Bob Dylan. Because it would resonate with him. We know St. Paul's story too. He was on his way to capture Christians and to take them back to Jerusalem when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he had a dramatic conversion experience. This life-altering moment and from that moment on, Paul dedicated his life to serving Jesus. This became, as Roy said in his sermon last week, this became his purpose in life. To spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we see this purpose being played out in town after town after town. It didn't matter how people responded whether they gravitated toward it or whether they tried to stone him or whether they tried to worship him, it didn't matter. This was his mission in life and this is what he was called to do. And he tells us why in this letter to the Romans today. Now this was a letter being written to a church that he did not start. In fact, the only one written to Christians that he had never met was not a part of starting that church. These were folks that he had heard about and longed to go see them, desperately wanted to go see what was going on in their community. And so he begins this letter to a people he does not know, has never met, like this. This is modern English. Hi, my name is Paul. You don't know me, but I'm a servant of Christ. That's how he starts his letter. Now, I looked up this word servant because I noticed that in some translations it said servant of Christ and other translations said 
a slave of Christ. And so I wanted to know, what's up with this word? And they said, well, servant really isn't strong enough because this Greek word that he's using here, it's not just someone who voluntarily helps out another person. This is someone who belongs to another person, who lives to do the bidding of another person. And so some translations put slave in there, but we we have certain images that conjure up for us when we think about slavery in America. And so that might be a little bit too strong, but servant's not strong enough. But it's it maybe indentured slavery, one who has entered, who has given their life over to someone. I belong to Jesus Christ. I live to do the will of Jesus Christ. This is how he identified himself. This is how Paul thought of himself since that dramatic conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And he later says in the beginning of this letter, he says, you know, I'm obligated or I'm a debtor to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and the foolish, to bring them the good news of Jesus. Because I belong to Jesus, I am obligated to carry this message from town to town to town. It doesn't matter how people respond. It doesn't matter what happens to me. This is my task. This is my life. This is what I'm called to do. He had a singular purpose and drive that dictated the rest of his life. Why? Because he said, I belong to Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am property of Jesus. Now I thought, when we introduce ourselves to new people when, when you when you're at a party and and somebody says hey i want you to meet so and so and you are introduced to a person for the first time how do you typically refer to yourself right i thought about that i would say something like hi i'm jimmy i'm married i've been married for 30 years i'm a father of four got a brand new grandbaby his name is lachlan he's awesome or I might say something like, hi, my name is Jimmy, I'm a United Methodist pastor, and I love to ride bicycles, and I do these crazy events, it's a lot of fun. That would be a normal greeting, right? That's, that's how most of us would introduce ourselves to other people. But Paul, Paul starts his letter by saying, by the way, before we go any further, I need you to know I am property of Jesus. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am enslaved to him bound to him. I live to serve Jesus. So anything I say and do beyond this point, it's coming from that place of belonging to Jesus. These words are not my own. What I do is not my own. My life belongs to Jesus. Now we've got that out of the way and let's finish this letter. That's how Paul starts his introduction. And this good news that he is obligated to bring what is the good news according to paul well he says it right off the bat the good news about jesus who is the son of david and the son of god the one who died on the cross and was raised again the one through whom grace and purpose comes jesus christ our lord plural our Lord, he's writing to the Romans, your Lord and my Lord. Now that might seem like a, a big buildup for maybe a, a small statement. Jesus, the one who was born of David and the Son of God. Jesus, the one who was 
killed on a cross and raised again. Jesus, the one who, through whom grace and calling and purpose comes. Jesus, our Lord. That might seem like a, a letdown at the end of that big buildup, but that's because we have lost the weight of the word Lord. Lord, do you know what it means to say Jesus is Lord? The people of Rome would have known who was Lord. Caesar was Lord and he lived right there in Rome. His palace was right there. I think it's in Las Vegas now, is it? Caesar's palace? At that time, if anyone was in power in the greater known world, if anybody was in control of how people's lives were lived, it was Caesar. And so by making the statement that Jesus Christ is my Lord and your Lord, was to say all those who claim to have power or authority, they're fakes, they're nobodies, they're mirages. Jesus Christ is the only true Lord, the King of the universe, the King of the whole of creation, the King of heaven and earth and all the stars. And anyone who recognizes this, anyone who trusts in this, identifies with this, lives their life as though this statement is true, they too belong to Jesus, their property of Jesus. And so this is the message that Paul proclaims. you got to serve somebody, folks. It might be Caesar. It might be someone else. It might be something else. But there is only one worthy of our service, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Paul will go on to say, serve Him. Turn to Him and find shalom. Find life everlasting. Find your true self. Find your purpose. Serve the one who is worthy to be served. Of course, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around because we live in a democracy. We don't live in a monarchy. We don't have a Caesar or a king who sits on a throne competing for our loyalty, competing for our allegiance, someone who has been placed over us apart from our will. As so many nations have had throughout the years, a king placed on the throne, you have no choice who that person is. You just have to serve them. We don't know what that's like because we live in a democracy. But still, I think we probably find ways to fill that spot. We find ways to fill that space, to divide our time and our attention and our affections with people and things and ideals that are not Jesus. I'm guilty of it too. People who have spent their entire lives building their retirement or securing family fortunes to pass on to the next generations. I know people who have dedicated their entire lives to defending democracy or freedom. Folks who serve the cause of social justice, that is their singular purpose in life, to further the cause of social justice. I know people who put all of their trust in politicians or political parties. This is the one that will save us. 
And Paul says, folks, it's all a waste of time. It's all a waste of time. Because there is one Lord, and that is Jesus. And he says, and if you've trusted in this good news, then you too belong to him. I like how Eugene Peterson says in the message, right? He says to the Romans, you are who you are through this gift and call of Jesus Christ. Your identity has changed. Jesus dictates who you are now. You are who you are through this gift and call of Jesus Christ. You see, your life, my life, it's no longer our own. We have been purchased by the blood of Christ, property of Jesus. And so perhaps Bob Dylan was right. At the end of the day, you've got to serve somebody. Everybody's got to serve somebody. It might be yourself. It might be your family. It might be your country. It might be your religion. It might be your job. It might be wealth. It might even be the devil himself. But Paul says, put all of your eggs in the basket of Jesus. Put them all in the basket of Jesus. Don't spread them out. Because Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will never lead you astray. Jesus will not fail you in the end when Caesar is dead, long gone, and his palace is a rubble. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the one true Lord and King of the universe, the only one worthy of our service. Folks, Jesus is Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Folks, will you grab the hand of the person next to you? Jesus is worthy to give your life to. Will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you are uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as the hands and feet of King Jesus. As you do that, folks, you're probably going to make some mistakes this week because we all do. We all miss the mark. But I know, I want you to know that when that happens, it does not change how God feels about you because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in the very nature of God, which First John tells us God is love. And so by that nature and by grace, God looks at us and says, y'all, you're nothing but the best of the best of the best, and I'll never, ever let go of you. And I think if we could leave here just believing a pinch of that message, it would change everything this week. And so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace.